Hello and welcome to Straight Talk, Supply Chain Insights, the podcast for your supply chain leader who is on the go and wants to be in the know. And now, your host, Laura Sassiri. Welcome to Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. My name is Laura Sassiri and I'm the founder of Supply Chain Insights and in our drive for the Supply Chain Excellence Global Summit which is focused on supply chain 2030 and ask people to imagine the supply chain of the future. I've asked Alex Winooski of the Digital PMO Group to interview me on weekly blog posts just so we can have a dialogue. I figure it's more interesting to hear Alex and I together than to hear just myself talking on the podcast. So Alex, welcome to the show. Anything you want to add for the group? No, nothing new. I've, I've really enjoyed our, our past few conversations, Laura, and, and, and looking forward to the many more we hold up until the summit. Great. Well, we've got three people that are posted as speakers for the summit. Uh, one is going to talk about digital simulation and how that helped the company to drive visualization, to drive you know a different discussion. Western Digital is going to talk about their work in advanced analytics and also discrete event simulation and how that helped to improve logistics outcomes. So I think those are two great case studies. And then uh, Steve from Cleveland Clinic is going to talk about healthcare in 2030 and improving outcomes in the shift from healthcare sickness to wellness. So we've got three speakers. And if anybody listening to this podcast feels that they'd be a great speaker to talk about advancements in analytics or processes or the future of supply chain 2030, I'd love to get your input. So Alex, what did you think of my last blog post? I really enjoyed it, Laura. Your your blog post, Courage to Paint Outside the Lines, drew on a few core themes for me, which really are things that I appreciate pushing boundaries specific when it comes to digital transformations. And in this case, specifically to the digital twin, it it spoke to me. So I'm looking forward to talking with you about it today. I just am frustrated that we asked these bright, young Gen Y type of folks to paint in the lines when the current taxonomies don't necessarily help us to answer our business problems. So let's start the discussion. What questions do you have for me today? Fantastic. I'm, I'm definitely frustrated too, right? I, I've seen those systems. I've been a part of those systems. And I, I loved the tone of your article. It, it felt really similar to a book I was reading recently by Adam Grant called Think Again, which is encouraging to you know imagine new forms of analyg- analytics and new forms of supply chain planning models and, and understanding that things can change. So just wanted to start off on that tone and, and really diving in here to your piece, but continually rethinking, I think, is, is the theme I, I just wanted to impart on our conversation today and something that um, really dives into one of my first questions. So specific in regards to you know, supply chain taxonomies, which is basically right, just a fancy way of saying naming systems intended to indicate relationships. If you're unfamiliar with the kind of supply chain taxonomies, excuse me. So Laura, specifically in regards to planning, how does a company's leadership's lack of understanding for these existing taxonomies dampen that young data scientists looking to drive change? Can you give examples you've seen? 
Well, first of all, I think it's great that you defined a taxonomy. It is a way that we can have a conversation about like capabilities for purchasing technologies, implementing technologies, and driving process improvement, because they're like building blocks in existing mm-hmm. technologies that are understood, but most people don't really understand the data models and what goes into them, which is the frustration that I have. And also the taxonomies haven't changed much in my following of the supply chain planning market, which I've been an analyst now for two decades. And so I question why the taxonomies aren't changing because the capabilities and analytics have dramatically changed. And so, you know, I'm always pushing, you know, because we have advances in analytics, can't we change the base definition of how we model, how we drive decisions and how we improve work. And I can't Mm -hmm. get people to really paint outside the lines of the taxonomies What people tend to do is bring better math to the engines within the models, not really thinking more holistically about is the problem that the model's trying to solve still consistent with the industry requirements, and is there a better way to solve it? So that's part of my frustration. And, you know, just to help the audience, Alex, you know, you're about the age of the young gentleman that I had uh, lunch with. What are you, 27, 28? Right around there, yep. Yep. Young kid, right out of school, uh, lots of energy, not that schooled in corporate politics, very skilled in discrete event simulation. So we had a great conversation on setting up models, and he actually, you know, was very helpful to me to think about a couple of new technologies. But his understanding of how to really deploy them to drive outcomes in a very political organization, which this was Toyota. And Toyota is heavily dominated by this Asian supply chain excellence team that dictates standards, irrespective if they're right on things like line speed and changeovers. And despite the fact that he's trying to illustrate and visualize capabilities through supply chain modeling and discrete event simulation, he isn't getting anywhere. And so the discussion was how to basically take technologies and help people to better define the problems and the solutions and use influence management in the selling of the ideas through the technologies. So I think And as I watched Mm -hmm. the people at the conference, I found that there were many uh, great data scientists that were struggling with the same problem where they're basically being asked to do things that may or may not make sense. Interesting. So in simple terms, would you say, you know, they're trying to... If you think of an algebra equation, right, they're trying to change the variables when, when in reality the calculation's not working well, the model needs to change. And right, so, yes. So, so they need to think, yes, rethink the effectiveness of the model, kind of right you were saying, right? Rethink, rethink if the model is working. Sorry to right. cut you off there. So one of the issues is the original models of the 1990s 
assumed that variability would be low. Well, variability is anything but low. And there isn't a planning master data layer to help people with the changes in lead times, uh, what's happening and actual performance on manufacturing lines or what is happening in conversion rates with inflation. And so we have all this market dynamic that's going on that doesn't update models because the assumption was that supply variability would be fairly low. Interesting. So based on that assumption, that variability assumption, assuming variability would be low, you know, the one thing I couldn't help think to equate this to, Laura, was if this model was made too simple, similar to, you know, too, too variable free intentionally, similar to the, the classic economics graph, right, which, which just displays supply, demand, and shows you the perfect price and the perfect mm-hmm. quantity as your market equilibrium. Do, do you think it was made too simple in, intentionally? In supply chain or in economics? Sorry, I'm, I'm referring to the supply chain model. I, I was more thinking, yeah, is, were our current models made, you know, too simple, non-variable intentionally, uh, you know, similar to how the, the classic economics graph was made to just teach the masses, not really understand the, the many things that go into um, macro and microeconomics? I don't think so. I don't think it was deliberate. I think that when we first started this work in the 1980s and 1990s, it was simpler. You know, a regional supply chain was simpler and the variability back then, right now I'm showing my age, was simpler. As things have gotten more complex, we're using the same old models and not really updating the basics of the taxonomy to say that model doesn't fit anymore. And the technologists have kind of bundled the taxonomies into these stacks and they go into companies and they talk, you know, cyber geek, you know, speak of end to end and, you know, let's have an end to end resilient, agile supply chain. And nobody raises their hand and says, now, what does that mean? (laughs) You know, totally the 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 models stayed the same the supply chains have advanced the technologies have advanced but the the language and and really the understanding the mental models of it haven't haven't caught up to it so that makes that makes a lot of sense to me and i don't uh, think people think enough about it alex so they mm-hmm. buy the old systems without really thinking do these right. fit my needs uh, if it if it's not broken, don't fix it. But in this terms, it, it, it is broken and people just don't want to fix it, which is pretty funny. <laughs> well, but they don't realize it's broken, right? So if we take a company that we both worked with, right? Uh, how many people are actually testing if they're getting good answers out of their solution or even know how to right. ask the question, is this sure. a good answer? You know, engines are designed to be fine-tuned. Like you would never run your car without taking it for an oil change. But yet people run the you know, supply chain systems year after year as a technology, just mm-hmm. focused on integration without really thinking about, are the engines tuned for what we're trying to do? So most people just slap in technology. They don't really ask the question, is are they getting a good answer out of the technologies? And they don't refine the technologies based upon what's happening. So it's a multi-faceted problem. Mm-hmm. How could, going on the engine engine analogy, how, how could a company with an old engine 
utilize one of those rock stars that you were talking to at a conference, data scientists looking to revamp the process. I understand maybe Toyota is a behemoth of a company, but you know, so, someone who may, might have some agency to do something, how could they look to change their existing supply chain taxonomies? Any advice? Yeah, so what I suggested to this young man, who was a really nice young man, was to go back and ask the question of how does manufacturing excellence tie to supply chain excellence? And, you know, look at the role of manufacturing OEE, which is looking at equipment effectiveness and growth and operating margin and inventory turns and to simulate and then to train people to think about you know, that question of how does, what defines supply chain excellence and how does that translate to the manufacturing program versus just assuming that lower cost manufacturing is going to give you a better supply chain. That's fantastic advice. And then Um, I said, you know, let's measure the coefficient of variation. Look at, is this forecastable in terms of the data. And if it isn't forecastable, should we change the supply chain so that it is a make to order supply chain? And let's look at, you know, the distortion of the translation of the order to the planned order and what the distortion of the bullwhip effect is. And then think about the supply chain as a complex nonlinear system to be able to look at the trade-offs of the metrics and the uh, operating programs. He must have had three pages worth of notes for it. That's that's some fantastic advice. Hopefully, hopefully he got that all down. That's that's really interesting, and and that actually kind of makes me think. Right, it's it, it, it's really a next point into the article, which is these taxonomies are as we often talk have now harped on a few times in our episodes here, you have to start with common definitions. You have to start with common understanding before mm-hmm. you can move on to a, a technology and, and before you can move on to uh, improving processes. So let's let's chat digital twin, which is right in the evolution of an understanding ta- taxonomy, understanding or excuse me, an evolving taxonomy and understanding of it. So when you were when you were talking with this young data scientist, how was he thinking about digital twins? I'm just curious from 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 his point of view, from his lens, and how you'd articulate it. He was thinking about it as a way to look at manufacturing efficiency and improving operation effectiveness. Got it. So like you said, truly within the lines, within the old, old purview, which is interesting. But, you know, there's a lot of digital twin work that's happening sure. in manufacturing. You know, sure. everybody's got a digital twin now, right? It's kind of vogue. Laura, it just makes me think, right? Why are the classic term shoot for the stars is really ironic here because I think that a digital twin, the first virtual representation of a digital twin, or excuse me, practical representation of a digital twin came from NASA as in a way to improve physical um, physical modeling of, 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 of simulations of, of spacecrafts in 2010. So why are these processes, why are there old models trying to, you know, like you said, just reinvigorate, kind of put new new formula into it. Why are they not shooting for the stars with these new types of digital twins? Because we're so caught up in old technologies and the process of implementing technologies mm-hmm. 
that we're not asking those questions. Got it. Interesting. So are those two tied together then in, in your eyes, the, the more advanced modeling tied to the better questions and the more up-to-date definitions? Seems yes. like a pretty, pretty obvious. Okay. I was going to say, seems yeah. like a pretty obvious answer, but I just wanted to, to kind of call that out. That, that, that made sense. And so my challenge to people is let's take these young, you know, bright students that understand analytics that supply chain leaders don't, and let's let them go after these problems. Let's let them define what an effective frontier looks like. And let's ask them to model the effectiveness of OEE on margin or looking at supply variability and how it ties to inventory strategies. And instead of just calculating safety stock, why don't we calculate, you know, aggregate buying requirements, you know, based upon inflation and, you know, supply variability. We're too stuck in, you know, traditional thinking and not really looking at the analytics capabilities and the new questions that we can ask. So dive one level deeper there in that challenge and almost in that recommendation, who who should they challenge or who should who should listeners more pull into their guiding coalition to improve this alignment? Well, if you have a digital analytics group, I think that's a good place to start. With variability as the only constant, ask yourself, how can you model or improve models, uh, understanding variability, whether it's lead time, throughput rates, supplier inbounds, inflation, model the impact of variability on existing models, and then understand the relationship of that variability to a balanced scorecard, which I like, you know, the measurement of growth, operating margin, inventory turns, return on invested capital and customer service, start the modeling to understand the impact of variability, and then overlay that against existing taxonomies. So for example, start with a planning master data layer where you actually have this layer where you're measuring variability. And instead of taking a lead time in a current model, look at what's happening in real lead time in the market and don't just manage it as a constant, manage it as a variable in the modeling and look at the trade-offs between the variability and margin or variability and customer service and understand those as we think about risk and buffer strategies and where inventory should be placed and more holistic thinking of supply chain. Yeah. And I, I love the the incremental thinking that you kind of help people go through there. When, when you stand up a digital twin, don't make the promise that you're going to, uh, you know, automatically improve a demand planning or a supply planning or a, you know, a procurement process right away. You, you had fantastic advice there, Laura, right? Model against your existing model, see how it compares, understand it against, its, you know, your current taxonomy. That's, it's all fantastic, fantastic advice when you think about how to tackle what is this, this behemoth oftentimes of just end-to-end planning in general. But, you know, so many times people don't answer the question of, do they have a mm-hmm. good model? And are they getting mm. a good outcome? So start there as well. Look at things like forecast value add and coefficient of variation and distortion analysis. And if people have questions how to do that, then I have a lot of you know insights mm-hmm. in my blog or they can shoot me an email. Great. And so Laura, we're assuming right now that 
a digital twin is going to just improve planning. Elaborate more how how you think it a digital twin could democratize the planning process, which was one way you mentioned a digital twin could improve the supply chain planning kind of area and, and how this collaborative visualized planning um, tool that you mentioned uh, would improve work through business unit alignment. One of the things that keeps me up at night is the fact that we spend a lot of money in planning technologies. Then it's not cheap. You know, it's two to, you know, 20 to $40 million and people put in the technology and they don't answer the question of, are they having a better plan? Mm-hmm. So only 2% of the back office employees touch planning technology. So, you know, if you look at someone like Dow, they've got 18,000 employees and 300 planners. And I would like planning to become ubiquitous. So my big, hairy, audacious goal is to take digital twins and put them in a collaborative thread across decision makers, not planners, and have them do their own modeling and what-if analysis and share scenarios and test scenarios. And instead of having discussions about Excel spreadsheet and whose field is the right field, that we could visualize different scenarios based upon the wisdom and the creativity of a group of people. And then Mm -hmm. we could decide on a collective scenario, right? And that this could look more like weather maps versus, you know, Excel spreadsheets. So, you know, when I grew up, you know, we had weather forecasting that really said something like a hurricane was gonna hit Florida. But now we have, you know, scenarios and we have A, B, C, D, and we look at the probability of A and the impact of A on B and we're constantly changing it. Well, what if we could distribute digital twins in a connected thread, collaborative technology, to allow people to do ad hoc modeling, to be able to look at the impact like Weatherman to understand ad hoc scenario planning. I, I think that's a fantastic example and one I'm I'm definitely going to use moving forward. One I never really thought of before, you know, what if, and, and to tie back to our earlier point too, what if we were all creating these weather models that had different colors when we were showing them on TV or different, you know, when we were talking about pressure, different ways to indicate pressure as a, as a weather person on TV. So um, having that common understanding and then being able to model it and compare, it would be invaluable, no doubt. Right. And it would also educate people about supply chains because number five on the list of barriers of supply chains is the understanding of the supply chain as a complex nonlinear system and the understanding Mm. between different metrics and what's possible. Yeah, definitely. And Laura, it makes me, this article brought me to a piece that I had read prior, which was around the European Union launching an initiative called Destination Earth in in 2021. It was last year, which was to build a highly accurate, basically digital twin or digital model of the earth, which mapped climate development, extreme events. It included observational data, this we call it outside-in data, to monitor and predict current and future trajectories. And and in addition, it's kind of the, the conventional observation data that we're talking about. They want to also integrate 
new data on on um, new human activities into the model. We'll call it kind of what what what, what I think is of your outside in processes, but also currently adding new data to those processes. What do you think supply chain experts could learn from this the, the development of this new Earth system model from the European Union? I think it's a great way for a data scientist to go to work. You know, why isn't a supply chain leader championing his data scientist to build those models? Totally agree. Totally agree. A great use case and one hopefully someone can can take and say, hey, if I, I could do it for the whole earth, I bet you I could do it for my supply chain. A little less complex. Don't you agree? Right. Yeah. And then you could show the impact of variability. So things don't become geek talk of, I want to have an end-to-end supply chain solution that's agile, efficient, resilient. I can look at which strategies for which supply chain streams and what choices can I make that can drive those results. Well, Alex, I look forward to the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit. It's coming up uh, September 6th. Uh, We're finishing our rivers of demand work. And uh, we're also going to have some training on outside-in processes there for people that want to stay an extra day so that they can think harder about this. And I look forward to seeing you there. Looking forward to seeing you too, Laura. Thank you. Okay. Until next time, this is Alex Winooski and Laura Ciceri with Straight Talk with Supply Chain Insights. Thank you.